Episode 303, The Arrival of a Train at La Ciotat from 1897. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too, and this episode is brought to you by TrainX. At TrainX, they believe that everyone deserves an opportunity to be happy and healthy. Shout out to TrainXWellness.com. Well, shout out to TrainX, and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. In our planes, trains, but no automobiles lap, we are going so old school here this is a little bit of a try to top that monster pod try to go back into the 1800s this might be the earliest iteration of a vehicle on screen i don't know we i I, all i know is that our guest might have the answer to that question our guest is also probably the person who showed this to me for the first time i would imagine maybe back in 2007 ish so i mean still 110 years after this came out but you know We'll get there. But with us tonight, the host of the co-host of The Contenders show right here on the Cage Club Podcast Network, making his triumphant return after not really enjoying the first The Fast and the Furious oh so long ago. We have Tobin Addington. Hello, Tobin. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. I wanted to get Glad you back to have you on. Back. And I was like, what could we do? And then I, I want I had this idea as like not like a joke, not like a meme, we need a but like just like as a thing. And I was like, oh, I know exactly what he would want to. And you responded so quickly and so enthusiastically. So I'm so glad to have you on here to talk about the movie in which a train arrives at La Ciotat Station, which is 46 that seconds long. It's in France. Okay, that makes sense. I wanted to do like our whole like real ramp up on like box office and Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. This is on none of those sites. <laughs> um, it was directed by... Is it Louis and Auguste Lumiere? That's right. Joe, you might know them from their work, Workers Leaving the Lumiere Factory. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Yeah. That's my favorite of theirs. I like their earlier stuff. (laughs) No writers credited. uh, Produced by the same Louis and Auguste Lumiere, which, Joe, you also probably know from The Sprinkler Sprinkled. One of your favorites. I I hope that that's just... Never mind. I'm going to stop there. I think that's like, from what I gather, and I did not watch it, even though I'm sure it's 30 seconds long, I think that's them like pulling a jackass on like a gardener, maybe? Something mm-hmm. like that? I think they mm-hmm. like sprinkle a gardener with water, like the water, the, the gardener gets wet. They fight club them to start a fight? Yeah, yes, yes, very much so. Fight club stole from the Lumiere brothers, for sure. Makes sense. It's shot by Louis Lumiere, which, Joe, you might know from Arrive de un train à Perache, Perache, you know, that one as well. No. Um, I have no idea what this costs to film, but I do know that if you want to catch a train from Paris to La Ciotat, you can get it from $30.75 online. So Right now? Okay, that's right a pretty now, good price. $30 yeah. to get a train from Paris to La Ciotat. Um, I've got some background on this, but Tobin, as my professor from world cinema movements way back in the Ramapo days, can you talk a little bit about like the historical context of this? Um why it matters, why it's important, and if Dom Toretto and family could have hijacked this train? <laughs> well, first of all, of course they could have hijacked this train. Is there anything they can't hijack would be a, a better Amen. question, I think. Um, yeah, so the, the, the short version of this is that uh, the Lumiere brothers uh, are credited with the first publicly screened motion picture. 
um, in uh, 1895 um, mm -hmm. in in Paris. Uh, it technically wasn't the first. Truly, it's hard to pin down, but they're credited as having as having the first uh, publicly screened. It was not this movie, um, even though that's often it's often cited as the the train arriving at the station. It was, in fact, the the workers leaving the factory uh, was was the first uh, the first movie. Which Joe, if you don't know, is just workers leaving. Not just, but it's I could guess leaving the factory. I could guess. Mm -hmm. Did they did they like charge to see this, or was it just like you yeah, like charged festival, money? Man. This is yeah. So here, so the the really interesting thing is that is that <laughs> okay um, is that prior to uh, that the, the Lumiere brothers screening their film uh, the year before uh, Thomas Edison's um, uh, workshop, a guy named W. K. L. Dixon in Thomas Edison's workshop in New Jersey um, had a uh, uh, invented the first movie camera. Uh, okay. And then what they what they would do is you would then go and you would um, look at it like it'd be in this like big box and you look down into the box and you would you'd pay money per screen per person and you'd just go like crank the thing or push the button and you'd watch the movie. Now, was that like a Nickelodeon? A was that what the Nickelodeon was? Be became Nickelodeons. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. OK. So the so the so the, the cool thing is that when when the Lemire brothers started doing this, Edison, who loved his money was like, wait, you mean I can have, I can show this movie one time and fill the auditorium with 30 people or 50 people or 80 people, charge them all, and then and then do that again instead of one by one, charging person by person by person. Um, so they, yes. So that they, the what the real innovation all here the, in this really is like the the foundations of Hollywood of like the system of making money by screening movies. I like that Edison is like the world's greatest inventor and couldn't figure out that. <laughs> he wasn't good at marketing. Apparently yeah. very good at inventing, not good at marketing. So now, Joe, did you know Did you know the Lumiere Brothers by name? Had you heard of this movie? Do you know anything? Because there's like one sort of famous thing about this movie that we've not mentioned yet that is apparently untrue, but there's like one bit of lore. Did you know anything about any of this before I was like, we're watching this 46 second long thing, which is on YouTube, by the way, if you want to watch it on YouTube. I feel like I've seen it. And I don't know if it's like I've seen it in a Bugs Bunny cartoon recreated mm. or like used by something else that was in something like, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. when you see like an old timey movie, then they play this on the screen at the movies. But I it felt familiar, but I don't know that I've sought out seeing this. So the famous bit of film lore, film history here, is that when people, supposedly, when people saw this movie, they were so terrified that the train was going to hit them that they ran out of the theater screaming. And so for a long time, this was sort of not like a joke, but it was just like, can you believe that, like, this movie is so realistic that people are running out of the theater screaming? And apparently that has been debunked over the years, that way later in, like, 1934, the Lumieres would reshoot this with a stereoscopic film camera and try to add like a 3D effect. And that might have been when people got freaked out by it. Because uh. um, there is also like a colorized version with sound on YouTube. Like there's all the different, like people have like really sort of chopped this up in a lot of different ways. But like the thing that people kind of know about this is that like it scared people into running out of the theater, which I didn't know until this week, is apparently not true. It is not true. It is not true. Which and is a bummer because it's a good story. We did talk about in World Cinema Movements, but maybe you were taking notes on other things. Oh, I'm that, sure I was taking too many moment. notes. <laughs> um, because it's one of the cool one of the cool things is that like movies start with hype. 
like mm-hmm. the 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 um you know initial reports out of the theater when this first screen was oh my god people can't handle this they're running from the theater sort of subsequent investigations reading people's diaries like figuring out uh, what what might have actually happened the sense is probably that people just screamed in delight as this train came racing toward them because so many of the of the and there weren't that many but the movies that had been screened before were you just you like the sprinkler sprinkled the one you talk about where it's just like you're just seeing the gardener and you're seeing the boy step on the hose and then get sprayed and mm-hmm. then workers leaving the factory you're just watching these work these workers leave the factory there's no sort of uh um, depth depth to it right so the idea that this train has come racing at you um the current thinking is that the audience was just so pleased with it they like you know screamed and cheered in in you know in delight at what they were seeing not unlike i'm sure you all do at fast and furious of course now joe exactly when you you watch this this week did you have any thoughts that went through your head you're just like yes that's a train no i had many thoughts okay go for it i think that this might be a moon landing situation because this was faked i i think this was faked because how is it like the first time they're shooting a movie and nobody looks at the camera like, what the fuck are those guys doing? Ooh. Oh, Tobin's got an answer. Oh, Tobin, please. I have an answer to this one. So they actually shot this movie three times over the course of about uh, eight months. Um, eight and- months? Mm-hmm. At different times, like eight months, and then okay. another couple months, they shoot it again. They were they were just shooting things all the time, like yeah, because you know Justin and... Lin was scheduled, and then he dropped out. Louis Leterrier <laughs> came in, and he dropped out. Yeah, to write, rewrite yeah. the whole script mm-hmm. on the plane, yeah, on the fly, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Um, and they had issues with some of the earlier versions with people looking at the camera. Um, uh. And so this la- the the version that's most famous, the one the 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 4K restoration on YouTube, the 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 one that you find most often, is full of people who are. Because the the uh, Ciota, where the train is coming to the station, is where the Lumiere brothers had like a family estate. And so it's full of their family, like cousins, children, whatever. So they're all ringers in this last one. They're all <laughs> they are planted. I was right. They're okay. planted. So you are absolutely right. They they deli- they're it's not that they're like, I don't know what this thing is, <laughs> like this box you're like looking through to shoot, shoot at me. It's that they've been sort of prepped. Don't look at the camera when you get off the train. So let's r- run the train back and take it again. So uh, so te- they, people talk about it as a documentary. It's not really. It's re- it's really an acted scene. So you are right. It is not oh. sort of capturing uh, uh, direct real life. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. I was also noticing that the train seems very inaccessible to pretty much everyone. There's like giant steps up. I don't know how like <laughs> women in dresses get onto it or like just any anybody in general that's not just like a fully formed adult man. Yeah, there's like a like, big platform. I have it looping right now while we're yeah. recording. There's like a big there's a big flat platform and then there's like probably 18 inches above that is like a kind yes. of narrow step and then another 18 inches above that is the carriage door. So it's like good luck. And it's like a metal step. Like you're going to get jacked uh-huh. up on this thing if you miss that step. Like your leg is just getting shredded. And they're like little kids. Like That's what like I said. 4-year-olds. Yeah. yeah, it's the, the the little bit more backstory, and Tobin mentioned there's three different versions. This is the most common one where the women and children are boarding. There's the, the, there's a little bit of fuzziness in terms of the year this should be. Like Letterboxd, I think, says 1897. Maybe IMDb says 1896. Uh, but there was one in 1895 
because they held a film festival or mini film festival screening in December of 1895. They showed 10 movies, but this was not one of them. Then they reshot it. They showed it in January of 1896. And then this one, I think this version that we're talking about specifically was shot in 1897. So like, there's like a whole like bunch of different things. Maybe it was like released in 1897 or something, but like, I just think it's so funny that even back then there's director's cuts, right? Like there's just like, there's <laughs> yes. a, we're not happy. This movie doesn't work. We got to recut it. We got to redo Reshoot. it. We're going to be it. in, we're going to be in the studio for another eight months. Extended director's cut at the film festival. Come see it. You, you thought you saw it once. You're going to see it again. Yes. Screenings, the whole deal. Yeah. It's, I want to know amazing. Were they, was this like at the time were they already doing like music with the movies or was everything just silent? It's a great it's a great question. Um, the the phrase silent movie is kind of a misnomer because there was always music or not always. It was almost always some kind of sound accompaniment. Sometimes it'd be a narrator. Sometimes it okay. would be um, they'd send out sheet music. Um, and of course, the bigger, the larger the venue you saw the movie in, the more instruments probably played for you, right? So you see it someplace uh, with a whole orchestra, the whole orchestra will play. That comes a little bit later. 1897 is a little early for that. But um, prior to there being movies, people would go sit in a theater and watch um, magic lantern shows where they project images up on a screen. Uh, and and uh, they oh, like old these... style, like um, projector, what was it, like transparencies? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like when you were in school, yeah, that's cool. yeah, exactly like an overhead projector. Yeah, exactly, yep. exactly. And so the the when they would do that, they would have sound because people would get get bored if you didn't have sound right? playing too, right? So they would. It, it's this is all show showbiz, you know. Um, and so it's unlikely that men that that these ever screened without some kind of sound playing behind them, which is part of why you'll often when you see them on when they release DVDs or whatever, they will have a piano score or something, um, which which probably more accurately approximates what it would be like to watch the movie in the theater. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So I this like movie that. is indexed as Lumiere number 653, but there's not 653 movies. Like, is that just like shots and photos? And like, do you know what that number actually refers to? Yeah, it has to do with their archive and the number of, of uh, things that they produced in some kind of order, although I don't know that it's chronological. So I think you're right. I think it's not all movies. It might be still images. It might be, it's, it's part of an archiving number system gotcha. as opposed to necessarily like how many movies, although they did make, a, a bunch. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're shooting movies 20 seconds long, then <laughs> yeah. we can crank them out. Joey and I would have like 70 billion movies of Too Fast, Too Forever. Totally. Because they made like 60 movies and they already finished like 25 before they shot this one. So like, I don't know how you get to 653 from there, but like by all means, although there is a French filmmaker and who was the former head of the Lumiere Institute, this guy Bertrand Tavernier, who called this one, quote, the first masterpiece. So this is, Joe, this is like the first Fast and Furious. It's like the cinema was not the same before this. This is a new, ushering in a new era. Like pre-rock, post-rock. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Ex uh, in like, a, in modern cinema, that's what we would say, right? When I was coming first, like, to film, the story I learned was that this was the first movie screened. And that's when people screen running from the theater. That's how important this movie is, is that like the story that got passed down to me, like by a teacher, <laughs> like in college, was that this was the first movie that that, that was screened. Um, and, and so uh, there is a real I think there's a real dividing line of sort of 
before this movie and after this movie in terms of what movies could be. It wasn't just like people walking down the street that became less interesting pretty quickly. And so you have like some dynamic thing of like this vehicle racing at your, at, at you through the screen is like, that, as we say, continues to be a very sort of uh, powerful thing in movies. And the framing. Like, they got the framing on this one pretty good. Like, I can <laughs> yeah. see why that they're like, fine, they're like, oh, shit, if we just shoot it on a little bit of an angle and it's moving towards you, that's pretty cool. Like, totally. yeah, you get, like, a little bit more playfulness. I, I could I could imagine that this wasn't like their first movie. Like they've they've worked out some kinks with you know right. spraying a gardener and stuff like that. They were like, okay, let's have a little fun with this one. It's like how they you know warmed up on Vine before taking it to Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So Jean Luc Godard, who made Breathless, once remarked that quote, "Movies are the train, not the station," suggesting that the film becomes cinema or a moving picture only when the viewer engages imaginatively with the characters who have been moving with the train rather than identifying with the characters waiting on the platform. So it's just like, hey, you know, like all these people getting on, don't don't pay attention to them. Think about the guys who are actually on the train. Just like how in Fast Five, when they get to the train and Dom's already on there. I was thinking about how we do the Fast and the Furious Minute and we watch everything but the most important things. Oh. Like for me, like it's it's all the True. periphery. Mm. Also, I do want to correct myself that Brian and me are on the train. Dom breaks into the train. So before you send in yeah. angry hate mail. But yes. <laughs> but that is, that is interesting to be like, yeah, it's not about – because I guess like the spectacle here is not the people getting on. It's the fact that the train is coming and stopping and like you're able to capture that, right? So like this guy getting off the train, it's just like, right. oh, yeah. okay. Interesting, interesting, interesting. What do you think uh, – that, that, so the guy, uh, Bertrand Tavernier, also calls this the first horror movie. Do you think that's at all fair? By what measurement? My I don't God, know. Man. We're stretching like now. There was no movies before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think where I got that from was Wiki, and it said, but any factual basis to this anecdote itself remains highly problematic. Just people, even people back then were just like, I don't know what you mean, man. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? But he was, you know, insistent. If they would have caught one of their legs on the metal things, it would have been the first horror movie. Oh man, what it, could it be? The first action movie? I wonder. I mean, in terms of there being that makes more sense. I, yeah. If we're going to call it the first anything, it might that might be that might be more accurate. Although, yeah, like, is it what genre would this be? It's not like drama. Is it drama? It would be documentary. Documentary, but scripted documentary. So right, like mockumentary. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess they, they would call it an actualité. That was the the mm. the phrase that they used at the time. Reality TV. You're right. I exactly. I don't think has any genre, and Letterbox calls it a documentary. So, yeah. Cinema Verite came around in what, like the, is that the 60s? Is that France in the 60s? Yeah, 60s, 70s, yeah. But this is also kind of adhering to that too. Like this is all naturalistic lighting and stuff like that, right? Although I guess the whole like the third time around doing it, thir actually, you know, third time to charm, shout out to Mike Manzi. But like <laughs> by not actually having real people, maybe you're kind of going against that whole idea or or maybe not. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I mean, the, one of my favorite early Lemire films is um, the two babies, Two babies having lunch, or childish lunch or something like that, uh, mm, which is two two little kid like you know infants in in bonnets sitting at a at two uh, like high chairs next to each other and they're one of them has like the bowl and spoon and the other one really wants it so the other one grabs it and like steals this like the food from the first kid and the first kid bursts into tears and just balls through the whole thing and that's it oh that's cool 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one that always gets a great reaction when I show it to, to students who've never seen it before, uh, especially because at the very end, the kid with the spoon, like appears to start to try and eat the other kid, like to dig into their hand with the spoon. It's like, <laughs> um, so it's like, that may be the first horror movie if we're, if we're counting. Um, but that was like what the Lemire brothers did. Like they, 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 even though that's clearly set up, they're sitting next to each other in a way they wouldn't probably, if, if you were actually, if they're actually just out there having lunch, but you're sort of seeing life happen in front of you, even if it has been arranged um, and that, so that's why all these all of these movies have that. You know, when the fact when the workers leave the factory, they they would do multiple takes. It's not like they would just do it once. You know, to, uh, and so all of these things are are as you say, reality TV is not a terrible um, uh, analogy for it, right? Because they are redoing the it. Same shit. Yeah, like producers are telling them what to do, and you know, you're having multiple takes, and 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 you're playing it off as as if it's real life, and to some degree it is, but in other ways it's it's not. You know. So, like, what was it about these? Was it just the fact that they were new? Like, why would people, like, people watch movies now to escape or whatever, but this is, to a certain extent, just, like, literally a thing that, you know, they could, they're getting out of work, they're getting on a train, whatever. Like, what was it about, is it just the novelty or is there more to, like, the actual story and the presentation here that people were, like, attracted to? It starts as the novelty for the first eight, nine years of, of movies, um, in part because the infrastructure has to get built up. Like you have to start to people oh, very good point. have screens and then eventually they're building theaters. And um, what they discovered was pretty soon um, is that s- movies that had stories, mm-hmm. people would go back and see again and again. Mm. And once you'd seen the train arrive at the station a couple of times, eh, I'm kind of done. And so in their in their attempts to sort of, yeah, make money and get get more of an audience and and make it, uh, uh, you know, things that people, that people would return to, we, we moved into sort of scripted uh, content, like clearly, you know, um, original stories pretty quickly, like by 1902, 03, 04. Um, and you Shit. get people like Georges Méliès, you know, with the trip to the moon is like one of the next big turning points yes. um, out of yeah, France, yeah. right? And so all th- that's what then begins to make movies a sort of um uh uh a thing that's not going to go away not a fad but at the very beginning it was just like have you seen this new thing and then it's like have you seen the new version of this thing and then eventually it's oh let's go see the new story that they're showing at the whatever orpheus because because like what is what is crazy is that you go from this that's like 45 seconds because i was i was making lists on letterboxd of like my favorite movies from every year and I got back here and just like, I got nothing logged at all before 1920. Like 1920, it was like, what do I have? Like, like uh, Nosferatu and like, you know, Unshanandalu and stuff like that. But I'm just like, what's even before that? But like, what's crazy, you go from like a 45 second thing in 1896 to a trip to the moon in 1902. That's like 15 minutes long to just like 10 years later, like Birth of Technology. a Nation in 1915 is three hours and 13 minutes long. Yep. Technology, dude. Because if you're looking like on Letterboxd, you can start by like decade and like a lot of the 1900s, like it's a lot of Lumiere. It's a lot of like the same kind of like their kind of poster or like whatever, you know, I don't know if it was their art or whatever. And then all of a sudden the 1910s, it's it's totally different era. It's yeah. just, it's amazing how quickly it all changed and developed. And of course they wouldn't just show, tri- you wouldn't go buy a ticket to to train arriving at the station. You'd go buy a ticket to see the 10 movies or the 15 right. movies. This is what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, and they're, so they're, it's like a showing yeah. uh, and like how long, like t- how long did these run, do you think? I mean, at first they were about 10, 15 minutes with all the movies combined. And then it was like, okay. now we're at a half an hour. And then we're at an hour. And then we're at an hour and a half. And then eventually okay. it gets to the, the three-hour movie. And, and part of what, what's happening, too, is that movies are that, – that's where we, when we talk about feature films. The feature film is the big one. 
with all the little ones around it, right? Your cartoons, your mm. newsreels, your, uh, and prior to that, it's these. It's You watch three or four of these little short, silent things, and then a 20-minute movie, and then uh, maybe maybe one more, two more comedy things at the end. So you'd have a feature presentation in the, in the middle, which is ah. that, that language then comes from how they would construct that hour and a half or two hours in the movie theater. That makes a lot of sense. But now everything's a feature presentation. Totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Plus trailers, right? Trailers are our new shorts. Ah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Like, I know that this is, well, it's also like in the, in the 40s, like they used to do like a cartoon and like newsreels mm-hmm. before a movie, right? Because right. it's like a whole whatever. Like, I know that this is like a very important movie and I know that like people have paid attention to this and remastered or whatever, but like I'm looking, like I was just looking at Letterboxd and I saw a movie from 1903 called The Sick Kitten. And like it's on YouTube, because all this is on YouTube. Like if it exists, it's on YouTube. And yeah. like, it looks how you would expect a thing from this to look like it's like the flashing lights and like it's just kind of like amazing it exists at all but it's also like this is like hard to, like this print that they've made of the of arrival of a train is like it's beautiful like it's crazy how good this it looks, looks great mm-hmm. it really being does. 125 years old like it's amazing like it's staggeringly beautiful and probably closer to what it looked like at the time. I mean, when right. we look at the degraded images of a lot of these old movies, well, the film degrades like over time, unless you preserve it really carefully. And they didn't know how to preserve it. I mean, it's brand, it's just a brand new technology at the time. So it's kind of only the ones that were the most, um, you know, sort of influential at the beginning got saved enough in order to sort of have a good, a good copy. It, it is that, that 4k of train riding the station is pretty beautiful. Did you watch or have you seen like the colorized version with sound that people have gone in? Like, I, do you like that or is that kind of dumb? Like, I, it, it's I don't. I'm yeah. I don't. I don't but did you it like wasn't, it? It wasn't think? great for me either. No, no, no. I was like, give me the give me the the original the the screener version. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want the director's cut play of this. I mean, it's cool. Like the colorization of old photos. Like I get it, but like for this, I'm like, no. I mean, it's just kind of it's kind like of the, the racer trash of of the, of whatever it, is it was ra- made, right? It's like, it hey, we're gonna trash. like chop and screw this, and just by like, yeah. but we're gonna make it look like you know you were there. Yeah, it needs more purple. <laughs> um, Joe, do you have any other thoughts about Arrival of a Train? Um, I thought it was cool to watch. I I should have probably watched more of these. Like, I should have curated one of these 15 minute viewings of like a bunch of them together so i could have gotten the full experience maybe i would have gotten rachel to like play a kazoo in the background or something <laughs> like that toby do you have any recommendations for like other ones that just like to get like a, a sense of like the gamut of like what kind of stuff that they were doing yeah if you look up lumiere brothers actualities and so it's actualities with an e and, a, and an accent that you could find like here are 15 here are 20 you know they're the youtube compilations um, and, uh, one of the, one of the cool things about the camera that they invented is that it was, you'd use the camera to shoot and then you, you would use the camera to, uh, you'd refigure the camera and you would use that to de- develop your, your movie. And then you would oh. refigure it again and put a light source behind it and use it as the projector for your movie. Oh, that's really cool. That's really, really cool. Did they, did they eventually piece it out too? Were they the guys that broke it off and made it a per, like, did they eventually segregate all of these pieces? Or was, did somebody else come along and do that? Somebody else came along and did and did that. The, um, they were they their main business was sewing machine factories. That's what the factory is. Ah, um, and, and okay. there's a mechanism that moves through a sewing machine that is very similar, or that was if what because one of the issues with film is you have to stop the film strip every twice every second as it moves through the camera to hold it to get an image as, as it's taking all these pictures. Um, and so that, that that's why they were able to do that. So they invented this thing that could, and so what they would do is it was very easy to take this like 
little box it's not very big the the cinematograph and carry it around anywhere in the world and you know shoot something and develop it and show it like that day you know like you could so, so that's really cool they were able, so you can find ones where they're like it's going down the amazon on the front of a boat and here's one of the the line at the london zoo and here's one of um whoever the king of whatever you know like you could so so it sort of doesn't i don't think it really matters they're all kind of the same in terms of what they're what they are um but you can if you can you can find a, a you know a, any of them and sort of curate your own you know 10 of them in a row and then and and you'll have of some some kind of similar experience to what they're what they would have had at the time so they just packed this shit up so they were like okay we invented the camera proof of concept they packed this shit up they're like we're going on a fucking adventure and they just take <laughs> off and they're just like, we're just going to film everything. They would sell, sell the cameras or they would hire people to go do that. Oh, they're or... hawking the cameras while they're doing yep. it too? Yep. Oh, this they, makes a lot more sense. They weren't traveling okay. everywhere. They they kind of – they stayed in France for the most part or at least in sort of continental Europe. But also people were inventing similar cameras all over the place. And so someone would get a hold okay. of one of theirs and say, oh, I can make my version. And like no one will know because I'm in Sweden or whatever. So you'd make yeah. your version, go shoot your stuff, and they wouldn't have any sort of recourse to come after you or anything like that. So the, the technology Patent spreads law. that way, um, except for in the United States, which is a whole other conversation because of Thomas Edison. Um, but yeah, the, 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 um, they didn't travel as much, but they would send the cameras out or people would buy the cameras or rent the cameras – uh, and then we'll go go shoot all these all these movies. That's really, really cool. Tobin, did you see the movie Babylon? I have not. I think you would hate it, but I want you to watch it because there's also there's like a camera rental thing in that too, where you know they're just like, We've broken all the cameras we have. We need another camera because you know it's like insane shooting movies. Like in the Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, but this is like nineteen twenties, <laughs> and so like people are like literally getting killed on a battlefield because like there's no safety regulations. It's like right before the Just like code. the it's room. Just like the room. Yeah, lots of people died in making the room. So, Joe, if we're going to play our new game, hey, Dom, what's on your road? What other vehicles other than cars are in this film? Oh, I didn't even pay attention. It's 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 a train. It's just a train. Be, yeah, but I was maybe hoping that there would be like a bicycle in the background or something. Or a baby but carriage I guess, or something. Did, yeah. Yeah. But did they, maybe this is a time when they only had that one big wheeled bicycle, right? Like the front wheeled one. There's a guy actually, at the, 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 the film starts with a guy pulling a cart like a trolley it's not a vehicle uh, it's more like a like, like a, a it's red flyer wagon no it's like a, a hand truck or like, like a, a luggage cart but a manual yeah uh, it's probably a luggage so it's not really a vehicle but like it's a thing with wheels it is yeah and you could probably ride it if you were a child or if you were Dom, Dom could find a way to turn it into a vehicle, right? I mean, there there might be like a car. Like I'm trying to see in the back here. There's like a, a truck, maybe, and like a car. I mean, those are cars, but like, yeah. I mean, I've watched this like 45 times while we've been recording this. Just be, I mean, not watching, but just had it on like looping. But like, there's not. It's just it's the train. The train is the train. Where do you think that like I um you you know what I'm with. Who, who said it? I forget who you said said it. Like, Godard or whatever. Like, I'm with him. I want to see inside this fucking train. I want to see what it looked like. Do either of you... Here's a, here's a trivia. We were doing the, the, the Lumiere Brothers Minute, and if we were doing a trivia question for this, do either of you know what number this train is? No. No. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. Number 169. Hey, nice. <laughs> so, it's just on the front. It's like... It, I can't even pause it in a way that, like, we get a, a solid screenshot of it. Just... It Did you translate it? Was it in French? Yeah, <laughs> N-O in French means number in English. Um, okay. 
So we can't watch a trailer for this. What? Okay, here's actually a question. Toby, what was the first movie trailer? Oh, when did that happen? Boy, we know. Oh. I don't know. I don't. Like, how would they mark? Would they just be like, "Come see this thing. It's moving pictures." Yeah, the first it was just like that. the posters. It, yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah. Sign, sandwich boards out front. You know, like it's and and by the time there were movie theaters, like people just went to the movies. That was the thing you did. It sort of didn't matter. I mean, my dad talks about going to movies and like as a kid and not caring what shows like you just go and what you watch, whatever the movie is that's, that's that week, you know, it's why like there weren't choices. There was a screen and there was a movie showing. You know? The first trailer shown in an American movie, a film theater was in November, 1913 when Niels Gronlund, the advertising manager of the Marcus Lowe theater chain, maybe that's a Lowe's theater chain mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. Produced a short promo film for the musical, the pleasure seekers opening at the winter garden theater on Broadway. Sounds sexy. So 1913. So it was a trailer for a, a, for a musical, like a, a live yeah. action. Right. So was, right. Right. Okay. He was also the first to introduce trailer material for an upcoming motion picture using slide technique to promote an upcoming film featuring Charlie Chaplin at the Lowe's 7th Avenue Theater in Harlem in 1914. So like since the mid-1910s. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. There's That's enough movie way theaters. Way earlier then. than I expected. Yeah. Until the late 1950s, trailers were mostly created by the National Screen Service, consisted of various key scenes from the film being advertised. So that's nothing's changed, man. They're just like, hey, here's all the best stuff from the movie. <laughs> yeah. You're going to spoil that. Most trailers had some form of narration, and those that did featured stentorian voices, a practice that would wane in the 2000s. In a world. What are those voices? What are those voices? In a is world. it like the movie guy voice? Yeah. yeah, and that's what I was thinking. Is it that? Yeah. yeah. And Stentor was the herald of the Greek forces in the Iliad, noted for his loud voice. But yeah, In a World. Which also, the Lake Bell movie, In a World, is really good. It so is. go check that out. Yeah. Um, so we can't watch a trailer, because like the trailer for this would be like, <laughs> you're not going to believe it, but a train arrives at the station. It's just like two clips. It's like one second. <laughs> They're like... Yeah. You could almost figure out what's going to happen. You could cut it like a horror movie, probably, right? Where it's just like all black and there's like a, like a screech and like the train appears and then the train disappears. Flash. You yeah. could do the ones that were like a teaser trailer where there's no image. It's just a black screen with the sound and like maybe some smoke rolls through and you're hearing the Ooh. train pull in and like coming soon, you know, and like just no images at all. It could be longer than the movie itself. You know what I'm also thinking? Remember, like, I don't know I don't know how to describe this in a way that doesn't make it sound perverted, but remember there's, there used to be, like, those bubbles you could put over, like, someone's picture that's like, ooh, like, look at all this. Like, like they, you, like, expose skin, like, they're wearing clothes or whatever. Like, just do that with the train. So it's, like, they, there's, like, a dude's face and, like, uh, a child and, like, a something. It's just, like, you're seeing s- selected sporadic parts of the frame. You're like, I don't know what's going on. It's just, like... what's What am I missing? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's what's not there. So, anyway, what we can play... And just what? good luck to both of you on this. We can play the letterbox game. So, Tobin, this is a game where we go on letterbox and we Ugh. try. You try to guess some numbers and stuff. It, it's insane. It, it's it's very difficult. Joe is somehow good at this, but if you're if you're bad at this, don't feel bad okay. at all. But just it's hard. Sometimes I'm really bad at this. For <laughs> reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterbox, has been seen or been logged 1.4 million times. So the arrival of a train at La Ciotat from 1897, starring Madeleine Kohler, Marcel Kohler, Mrs. Auguste Lumiere, Jean-Josephine Lumiere, Rose Lumiere, and Suzanne Lumiere. Is this her first Nepo babies? Oh, yeah. They, wow. They definitely are. And they're, they're the babies eating the food in the one I described, mm. too. Yeah. Oh, sure. How many people or how many times has the arrival of a train been logged on Letterboxd? Joe, you go first. Yeah. I think I think 
due to the fact that we have humans like Tobin on this planet mm-hmm. that would show something like this in their film class. I, but it's very old. But I also think Letterbox nerds would probably have signed up for Letterbox uh, if you, if based you come on a film close to this class. I am going to be so insanely probably angry. But keep going. I'm going to guess, and the people that uh, t- down a little bit, I'm gonna go fifty-seven hundred. Fifty-seven hundred. Okay, Tobin, how many people do you think have? How many times have this been logged on Letterboxd? See, I was gonna say five thousand, but now that's now now I'm, but I don't want to be that close uh, to yours. So I'm gonna say that's okay. Eight thousand. You are both too low. Please Ooh. guess again. Okay. My first real your, your guess. Your real guess. What do you mean to guess? Um, I'm going to go, I'm still going to go like 10-5. 10 10,500. 10, 10, okay. Yeah. Tobin? 53,000. You are both still too low. One That's insane. Guess. No way. Jeez. Over 53,000. So 53,000 people I was, I was surprised. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Uh, 72,000. That's it. 72. Okay. 100,000. 65875 65875 people wow. have logged the that's arrival. A, that's way more than I expected. Wow. Average rating of a 3.7, the most common a 5, then a 3, then a 4. 3 is probably objectively the funniest thing you can give this cuz like 5 <laughs> is like yeah, yeah. you have to start you like whatever, but like 3 is just like yeah, that was fine. It was okay. <laughs> Meh. Out of those 66,000 people, how many have this in their top four favorite films of all time? And Tobin, I will give you – I don't know, Joe, if you remember, but like I sent Joe yeah. screenshots of two different things that we're not using. So the number is at least three because we have two people who did like joke ones, and then we have at least one more that we're actually using. So the number is at least three. Like I will let you know as you think about the number, um, the people who like jokingly did it did train – then Burt Reynolds in Hooper, Burt Reynolds in Hooper, Burt Reynolds in Hooper, and they also did Train, 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 Kung Fu Panda. So, like, we're not doing one of those profiles, but, like, people Beautiful. are, like, people are having a laugh with this. But yeah. out of those 66,000, Joe, how many people do you think have this in their top four favorite films on Letterboxd? 14. Tobin? 21. Both too low. One more guess. Because you're both, you're both, like, relatively close, but. Yeah, it has to be 31. 40 32 32 people have this in their top four favorite films of all time so we're going to go to marco jackson at marco 4j who watched this six years ago and i can't tell if this is serious or genuine i don't know that english is his first language i think or maybe he's british i don't know but he says if you can see this in its natural setting at the cinema museum in turin it is utterly fabulous and i don't know if that's someone like actually no, being that's kind of film that's snobby serious. or if someone no. pretend to be film snobby but i was like okay marco's okay yeah. so a right they actually show it on like the old it would be cool if they had like one of the old camera boxes and he's like if you watch it like that would the be way amazing. it was it'd be really cool so maybe that's what he's alluding to there so marco has arrival of a train as his favorite film of all time okay his numbers two three and four are all gettable i would say two and three are much bigger Four is a thing that I don't know if this is the original. This might be the original one, but there's a movie from the 60s that has been remade a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways. Just a comedy. His number three is from the 80s and is one of the most popular films of all time. 
And then his number two is from the 2000s and is one that is on many dorm room walls across this country, but not bros. They're on many dorm room walls of developing film nerds. Hmm. If you want to ask That's questions, tough. if you want to go, if you want to try to hone in on one, but there's one from the 2000s, one from the 80s, and one from the 60s. Where do we want to start, Tobin? Let's start with the 2000s. Okay. Can I ask okay. how far, like, we're talking early 2000s or like closer? To- I want to say 2000s, like 2000 to 2009, but it is in that first decade. Okay. And I'll actually give you a year that's going to really hone in on it, maybe 2003. Okay. Because when you said dorms, at first, my first thought was Fight Club. Yes. Yeah. But the, yeah. Then you same. Said not, then you said not bros. So I'm like, okay. Not bros. And Fight Club is always like the first one. Yeah. Like the, not like the butterfly effect. No, that's also bros. That's like a bro. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Bro. Uh, you want a mind fuck, bro? M- not memento. Hmm. No. 2003 though mm-hmm. is kind of harder. And not bros, but developing film nerds. Is it? Is it an American movie? It is an American movie, but it is, does not take place in America. Ah, ha, ha. Okay. Is it an independent movie or a studio movie? Mm, you know, it's an independent movie, but it's not like real like bootstraps. It's yeah. like... Yeah, okay. It's a studio that's near and dear to this network's heart, I will say that. Interazon. American movie that does not take place in America. Aspiring film nerds love this. Do I like this movie? Let's see if you've logged it on Letterboxd. That that won't really tell you because I just log as I watch. I don't mm. usually go back and log. I I Do you oh, think I like this movie? I don't think you do. But I think you would be kind about it, maybe. I don't know. I'd be I'd be interested. It's it's one that's not it's not really polarizing, but people like this is a movie that this is like people like live or die by this movie. And there's some okay. people just like, yeah, whatever. I think we've probably had this in this game before, Joe. I'm sure we it's a have. very popular it, movie. Eight hundred and forty nine thousand people have logged it. Very, that's very popular. huge. That's huge for here. I will also yeah. say on one version of the poster, yeah. an umbrella oh, is very prominently featured. Uh, an umbrella. Yeah. It. No. No. Um. Where are the questions on FAQ? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we're we're getting to the bottom of the barrel. We start to read the frequently asked questions. Here we go. Come on. The years don't help me at all. So what did one character? Whisper to another character at the end of the movie. Oh, 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 oh. It lost in translation. Am I just yeah, do you say? like that movie or no? Oh. Do I? Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, American Zoetrope. So it is an independent. It's not a studio, yes. but yeah. it's a Francis Ford Coppola where it's like not really independent, but yeah. technically independent. So, and you're yes. right. Um, film nerds would love it. I've been totally. to that bar. I've drank. I've oh, drank there you go. Yeah, we, we, cool. We've definitely talked about that before in, in that regard, yep. right? Like it's American movie mm-hmm. set in place in Tokyo, whatever. Yep. All right. Number three is from the 80s, one of the most popular films, one of the most beloved films, a perfect film that we've covered on this podcast. Uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Number three. Bang. Number four from the 60s. I actually want to see if this is the first. Is this the first? No. Well, ooh. 
It's based on a play from three years earlier. Okay. This is a film that also became a TV series, had three or two spinoff series, or maybe a spinoff series, a remake, and then another remake. There was a sequel to this film, and then there was a female version of this film. The 1960s. 18. A sequel? And you said it's been made a bunch of times and it was a comedy. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to have no idea what the 60s comedy is. I will say um, the most recent version of the this. The Odd Couple? The Odd Couple. Nicely oh, done. Wow. Nicely I say the done. most comedy, recent version of this of had Thomas Lennon and Matthew Perry in it. Wow. I yeah, don't know how I got there. You connected the wires in my brain. It's... <laughs> I guess the Neil Simon play becomes a movie, becomes a TV series. There's an animated series. There's a remake of the series. There's another remake of the series. There's a sequel to it. There's a female odd couple. So makes yeah. sense. So Marco Jackson's four favorite films of all time, the arrival of a train at La Ciotat, lost in translation, back to the future and the odd couple, which That's a pretty good lineup. Not a terrible list. Yeah, not bad. Not mine, not bad. but not terrible. no, Tobin, do you have a top four? What is what is your is your top four on Letterboxd accurate? I don't know anymore. I I, I haven't looked. That's a long time since I've made that list. You Wait, tell me. Are you, you still on Letterboxd? Or you delete your Letterboxd? No, no, I'm still there. I'm still there. Oh, your your TWA. Yeah. Teaching with authority. <laughs> yes. Your top four are your most recent films on here are weird, man. It's research stuff. Are you writing a horror movie? Yeah. Sweet. Did you like? So you like awesome. the Michael Monroe Significant Other? Were just like, oh, that's not where that movie I thought that was going to go. Which okay. movie? Significant Other, where Michael Monroe is in the woods with her yeah. fiance or yeah, boyfriend. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I, I know what this movie is, and you're like, I don't. Know yeah, what this I don't movie know what it is. is. Yeah, they have a lot of fun with where it goes. Yeah. Your top four are Seven Samurai, The Third Man, The Last of the Mohicans, and The Adventures of Robin Hood. Yeah, I would probably should swap. have been Men in Tights. Should have been Men in Tights. <laughs> I do like Men in Tights. Pass. I do like Men in Tights. I'd probably swap one of those out for Fanny and Alexander, the Ingmar Bergman movie. Okay. And then Psycho sometimes pops up on that list, but that's Ooh, but good but, movie. But I would, but I would stand by those two. Your only list is the list that you made for Cinemakers. That's right. You ranked Soderbergh. That's right. And you have the correct number one and number two out of sight. <laughs> Ocean's Eleven. Well, thank you so much, Tobin, for joining us. Thank to, you for, for the good lesson. Return to. Oh this podcast um is there anything that people are uh, want you sh- that you want people to know about i watched your film i don't know if i told you but i watched a christmas stray but what <laughs> have you made that's out there what are you making that you have anything you could talk about anywhere people can find you anywhere you want to be found anything you want to plug to our listeners who have made it through this 45 or so minutes of arriving at a train at la ciotat uh, no big plugs go back and listen to episodes of the contenders if you uh if you haven't or listen to them again if you have do you have a favorite uh, an entry point if people have not listened to that show? Oh, good question. Oh, boy. Oh. I liked the Revenge episode because we made eyes on watch the film Revenge. That was, that was good. Yep. Yep. But I don't know if that's the best place to start because I, I don't know if she was necessarily super passionate about that. You know, I think our Thelma and Louise episode is pretty good. And then, okay. and then our dad is on an episode for Hidden Figures. That's fun. That was a good one. And I also I always liked when you had Joe on and you did like a Christmas movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Island rehashing her former former flame, her former crush. <laughs> yes, my roommate Joe. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 
Well, cool. So on Friday, bonus episode, Fast 10 with Montez. Next week, Life in the Fast Lane. Might have another Fast 10 next week, or we might have a bonus episode. I don't know, either one, either both. I want to give a very special shout out to our patrons, Cassie Wilson, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, and Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Ooh. Party. West Hampton, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato D. Donato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsay Lewandowski, you know her, Tobin, Nate Middleton of the Kings of Sport, Jason Rainey, Tom Price, Mike Gallier, Josh Buckley of Whole Lot of Wolves, yep. Michael Moser, Christian Larson, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Montez. Thank you all for supporting us the $5 a month level or above. Uh, come back on Friday for the bonus episode next week for the Life in the Fast Lane email. And if you want us to read on that, we got a bunch of emails to read for that. But if you want to email in again, family at cageclub.me. And for all things Too Fast, you ever go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Vote in the Too Fast Too Forever Hall of Fame. You have about a week left to vote at cageclub.me slash vote. And check out our store at cageclub.me slash shop and come back on Friday for Fast 10 with Montez. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And that was Tobin Addington. And we will tell you all about it when we see you again. 